What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. It's Monday, September 3rd, a day before a few things drop. One, Beyonce's birthday. Two, my birthday. Three, Black Panther on Netflix. And last but certainly not least is DeRay McKesson's book, The Other Side of Freedom, The Case for Hope. About the book, Henry Louis Gates Jr. says, On the Other Side of Freedom reveals the mind and motivations of a young man who has risen to the foray of millennial activism through study, discipline, and conviction. His belief in a world that can be made better, one act at a time, powers his narratives and opens up a new view on the cost, consequences, and rewards of leading a movement. Now I feel as if you've gotten to know the living corporate team this season. For those who know me, they know I'm a genuine admirer of DeRay's work. I love his podcast on Cricket Media called Pod Save the People. So shout out to Brittany, Sam, and Clint Smith III, or Clint Smith III. <laughs> For me and many folks in my generation, DeRay was the face of a, a new type of activism that was mobilized through social media. The honesty and by direct relation, courageousness of speaking truth to power on such accessible platforms was a major point of inspiration for Living Corporate. Because of this, I'm excited to tell y'all we actually got him on the show to talk about working as a socially conscious person of color in corporate America and about his journey in writing his book, The Other Side of Freedom, The Case of Hope. So what you're going to hear next is an interview I had with DeRay. His book is also one of our favorite things. So make sure you check out the links on the show notes and our website and make sure you pre-order it. So while you're jamming to B-Day, you can also be reading this book. See y'all on Friday. Peace. And we're back. Um, and as we discussed before the break, we have... Deray McKesson. Deray, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? It's good to be here. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> For those of us who don't know you, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Ray McKesson. I'm an activist and I have a podcast called Party of the People. I used to be a teacher um, and I'm committed to the work of social justice. I follow you on IG. Um, you don't follow me, but it's cool. I get it. I saw a <laughs> post you made about a note that you got from the FBI after they visited your home in 2016. Can you talk to us about the biggest impacts that purposed activism has had in your life? Yeah, I think that I think that one of the most powerful things about the protests, for sure, and I think about when we were all in the street in 2014 in the early days of in Ferguson and, and everything since is that it's helped in their power who didn't believe they had power before. I never would have stood in the street before then. I just like didn't I didn't think about that as a way uh, to sort of force systems and structures to run. And, and now I would check on me in two seconds that their government only exists in works we could give out then. And we've seen over the last four years as people would protest and it's beautiful to imagine uh, how the world can be better and what their role can be in making it better. So you're not a stranger in these federal or social media streets. In fact, you and I connected some time ago. I believe that we were able to make that connection because you're able to engage in topics around social equity in really courageous but still very approachable ways. You've mentioned in the past your work with Campaign Zero and, of course, the work that you're doing with Pod Save the People, a wonderful podcast, one of my my favorite podcasts, actually. And the, the things that you, you touch and that you curate, uh, I think that I think they have so much impact because it's so practical and they challenge people of color as well as non-people of color to engage and be part of the solution. Um, thinking about Living Corporate and our audience is primarily people of color in the working world. Are there any things that you believe middle class or affluent people of color are not doing in mass, but that could be done to support the movement and the work? I don't know. I, think, uh, I don't want to start from like a, like a place of lack, but I, I think that where we can all grow, especially as somebody who used to work you know, as a chief human capital school system in Baltimore, you know, which was a was one of the the chiefs in the 50 people team and you know it's a billion dollar organization is that always remembering that uh, confrontation doesn't always look 
one way. So there are ways to show up in rooms where things happen that aren't about equity, aren't about justice, aren't really about our community, that don't focus on us, that don't center us, but should. And we can push and challenge, but it doesn't have to be a shutdown. It doesn't have to be a storm out of the room. It doesn't have to be a yell. I think about some of the meetings where I've been really successful. It's like asking the really thoughtful question, right? It's like, uh, not letting people off the hook and making them do the cognitive work as opposed to you preaching to them. Like those are things that we can do in all settings. It's really powerful. The second is that the systems and structures are designed to drown out individuals and like make individuals believe they don't have power. That is like how the game is set up. What we can do is like remember that like people have a lot of like individuals, individuals who come together to form collectives, like a lot of power. Think about one parent who emailed in at the beginning of the school year when I was a chief human capital who requested something very specific. She's the only parent we heard from. She was right. And if not for her email, we wouldn't have redone this whole plan. But like she emailed in and her, it was perfect, right? It wasn't about volume. It was about like the content. And people just don't know that. They like don't realize that systems often take the feedback. But one of the reasons why they don't tell you they take the feedback is because they don't want to deal with 10,000 of you. So that's that. And the third is that like you can learn all of these issues too. So I would say to most people, like find an issue that matters to you, that you believe in, like try and learn as much about it as possible because that will actually set you up uh, to like think about how to structure those lives and like really in a powerful way. So continuing a little bit, because I, I want to talk a little bit more about people of color in these places, right? So I count myself as somewhat socially conscious. At the same time, though, I still work in structures that really weren't built for me. So let me ask you this. Do you think that there's a way to challenge the systems we're pushing up against while still climbing within them? I ask because it seems counterintuitive on its face to me. I say this as someone, like I said, in the work. I've had very explicit conversations with colleagues who respect Living Corporate's mission, but they're afraid to even kind of public support it because they think it's going to mess their bag up because they don't want to necessarily talk about those things. Like, what would you say to that? Yeah, I don't know if I have anything new to say besides like knowing that confrontation doesn't always look the same way. That like, like I said, is that people often think about challenge as like some dramatic thing. But I've been in rooms where people have really, um, you know, I made a decision and somebody came in. I was like, can we, even if you say no, can we talk this out and like think through it this way? I'm like, yeah, like let's yeah let's talk it out and like oh i didn't see it that way like i think that sometimes we think about challenging the workplace as some grand statement and it just doesn't have to be like that the the outcome we just need the outcome to be the outcome so there are some meetings where like i just wouldn't let the question go so i knew this was the wrong decision but if i came out and said like i think that you're making a dumb decision the person would respond in a way that just was not i wouldn't get the outcome i would feel better but i wouldn't get the outcome so what i could do is say like hey oh i said what if we what if we play with this option and what if we do this option can we talk about options today like that's actually a way for me to push the thinking and like get to where i want whereas there's some meetings right you just have to say like no we're not doing that right and like if you want to do it that way then we need to go talk to this person so like just knowing that there are ways to push and challenge and everything doesn't have to look the same you know, I've had some coworkers who will run up on me and show me a Facebook post or a racist article or something. The latest thing the president said and go, Zach, that's so racist. That's so bad. Or they'll even brag about like the latest protest they were part of. But at the same time, some of those same people might not necessarily feel comfortable speaking up when I've been ignored in meetings or cursed out or disrespected in another way. So certainly you have experience in building meaningful coalitions. What advice would you give to the everyday, perhaps well-meaning, aspiring ally on how they can put empathy and allyship into practice? Yeah, whiteness is a shield, and they should be able to use. They should start to use that shield in a way that like serves people. Uh, so you know, it often in small way. A lot of way people don't realize that like you know, you and I both know to listen to and not be heard. Right. But a lot right. of way people who just like don't know, like they don't know what it's like to 
like literally not be listened to and not be heard that's like a new thing <laughs> yeah they aren't like ignored right right uh, so some of it is like helping people just see you know in classrooms one of the things that we do is we sit in the back of classrooms and like um, we can tally up the number of positive to negative things that the teacher says and then that gives us a sense of what's going on in the classroom same thing in boardrooms and in meetings we can tally like like and like who gets called on those sort of the power is working in a, in a given space so as it's like you got to step into the discomfort and there are moments when like you know that something's off and again like confrontation doesn't always have to look the same way so you can you can say like, oh, like, oh no, I wanted to hear you first. Like, I wanted that. Like, you can share space. You can share power. You can create space. Yeah. Uh, you can create power. Like, I think there are a host of things that people can do that don't have to feel like that, or but actually the impact is really powerful. No, I agree with that, and it's something that you again you have you've reiterated it a few times. But I do think when we talk about the work, or when we talk about again kind of pushing up against these systems and things like that, that it, it we often think about something really combative or antagonistic and it doesn't always have to be that. It's something that kind of reminds me of like a common thread in the things that you say, especially on Pod Save the People, the just the human element of it, right? Like actually being able to build that connection. Like you said, giving up space for that person. Hey, I wanted you to talk first. You're doing a lot there without you having to necessarily be um in any way negative, quote unquote. <laughs> Uh, so let's do this. Let's let's talk about the other side of freedom. It drops on Beyonce and I's birthday, September the fourth. Um, so so air horns for that. But why a book? Why now? And what do you want people to take from? Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, I've been reflecting on all the places I've been, all the, and I wanted to share them. So I've been to a lot of places. I've been in the street in a lot of cities, with a teacher, with I think about like what are the lessons, like what are the themes. This was my attempt to to look at all the stories uh, and then say here are the tools that I took out of them. And in in that case, uh, why now is like a sermon's called "Don't Tell Your Story." I love the title, but didn't know what it meant. And I listened to it. And he talks about sometimes you can tell your story so soon, all you see is the pain, not the purpose. I'm at a point now where I can think about the big lessons and themes that I got out of the this way we definitely to set people's about what they can do and our family um and with the police and uh in a host thing so so it seems like book writing is is a lot of work right like i've seen your post you know i've seen your post on instagram you've posted the various edits and revisions that the book went through and then you went to the the copying center and i mean just it just seemed like a lot to do in your journey of writing your book is there anything you learned about yourself I learned a ton of things. You know, something I spend most of my time writing online, like writing on Twitter, things all the way out. You know, an essay for the reader and the writer, and I, I needed to process a lot of things. So it was important to me about writing about being a gay black man in this space, and I like mm-hmm. had to process a lot of feelings and emotions, and and writing about my mother. I talk about my mother a lot, but I've never written about her in this way. So I needed to do like I, I just I was pushed. Um, in my own personal space so that was really healthy and like things about the essay on the police it's like there's a lot of research we've never, never put anywhere and i wanted it somewhere so so yeah the book um was really a growing experience deray this has been a great discussion man and i want to thank you again for coming to the show um before we go do you have any shout outs please buy the book i'm excited yes the conversation with people about the book and uh we have a lot more work to do absolutely yes so the book is called the other side of freedom Dre, we'll make sure that we put it in the show notes and then we'll also be listing it on our website as a favorite thing so people can make sure that they have no excuse not to get it. Thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you so much. All right, peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. 
Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.